You're listening to the Bow Hunter Planet Podcast, your gateway to the wonderful world of archery. Hey guys, welcome to the bowhunterplanet.com podcast right here live on Carbon TV. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. It's Kevin and myself, and we are in our studio, which is not normal for us, but um, I wish everybody could actually see, maybe I'll try to cut it in, what Kevin has done on the walls. We have <laughs> historical pieces all around me. It's very hard to see it. You can kind of see a little bit. There's a Hoyt bow back over here, and over there you can see a, looks like a diesel from uh mcpherson that's a mcpherson diesel then you got darton area high country a matthews uh matthews one's pretty big so we we focused on matthews for a while this past year and then we got bear archery it's crazy but botech and botech and psc it's just it looks phenomenal so great job on that by the way thank you um and uh but the good news is so you have all these bows and then today on the phone, we have Eric from Redline Bowhunting, who actually can put accessories on these bows for you, which is <laughs> a good twist to the plot. <laughs> so, Eric, yeah. how's it going, man? Not too bad, man. We were just uh, doing a little pre-talk here before and uh, traveling traveling west right now, getting ready to, to get out west to do some mule deer and elk. Uh, so I'm kind of stopped up in Kansas at our deer lease here halfway, which got up at three in the morning and drove shoot what is it now uh back east eight eight at night so wow uh, kind of tired but hey it's all worth it when you get there and, and i'm excited excited to talk to you guys talk about some accessories and stuff and what we're doing with redline yeah awesome you know my first experience at redline was uh at the total archery challenge i ran to your guys there and uh, we talked and i got to see the products and hold them we did a couple quick videos for tiktok and stuff and um, you know, very well done. And I was very impressed by what I saw and the price points I saw. Um, yeah. So I guess, I don't know. Tell us about the company first, I guess, before yeah. we get into the detail, yeah, so, like how, yeah, how to so, start, who owns it, you know, what, what, yeah. tell us all the goodies. Oh, we got a couple of us behind it. So, uh, there's, uh, myself and, uh, Jimmy Smith, who's one of my counterparts. And we obviously have a, a few investors in Ohio and Pennsylvania that have, are, are helping us out on the capital side of things, but uh, the gist of the company, we we're kind of trying to solve a problem with, you know, being in that middle space and having quality product, but something the average guy can afford, but still be proud of putting on his bow and be able to go out and shoot and function like high, some of these higher end companies are out there, but that offer them a com, uh, comparable product at, at a price that they can afford, which everybody knows this, this day and age and in the past, you know, year or so it's, it's been getting tough with inflation and whatnot and for us it it worked out perfect we launched at ata last year um and it's just been a very it's been just drinking out of a fire hose ever since uh we're you know, launched quiver stabilizer sites and, and just been full bore which is which is great and it's a blessing and a curse at the same time because we're we've sold out a product twice already which wow. uh we we never want to do uh we are a dealer only company so really focusing on those bow shops is is kind of our mindset didn't want to go pig out and give it to the world out, right out the gate we really want to take care of those guys that are behind behind the counter setting up bows and and focusing on them and, and kind of their shops so been super awesome i mean on the way out i hit a few uh, shops on my drive out this afternoon which was awesome getting to hand out some swag and some uh, hats and shirts and stuff and everybody's just pumped on the brand which from its inception 18 months ago to now is just insane where we've come you know uh, 18 months ago we had a box of parts 
and kind of now we got a full line brand with uh, six different styles of sights. We got four different styles of quivers uh, that are, are actually new quivers coming. So hold on that. So three different styles of quivers right now. And then our uh, stabilizer line. So uh, accessories as well coming and uh, soft lines just launched today, believe it or not, which is insane. So extremely excited about where we're at as a brand and where we're going and uh, just been fun, man. That's all we're all about. Just shooting, shooting animals and critters and having a big time and, and really just focusing on the guys who want to go out and like the tack events and stuff, uh, get out and shoot stuff and enjoy the uh, camaraderie in the sport, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. I, I, you know, like I said, I, when I got to hold them and stuff, I was definitely impressed. I was like, man, this is some good stuff. And the price point, I agree. You guys hit it right on the head, right where it needs to be. But um, now you brought up a very interesting point. And I, I, I hate to, you know, bring this up because I know a lot of people don't understand this stuff because they don't work in the industry or they don't, you know, they're from an outside perspective. They like a product, whatever, they go buy it, no big deal. But when you say start a new company and, you know, fire, fire hose, I know exactly what you're talking about, but maybe elaborate a little bit more on that because I don't think people realize the amount of uh, decisions that you guys have to yep. make on a daily basis. And this isn't just in regards to which products you got sales, you got marketing, you got uh, finance, right? There's so many little things that are involved engineering to make sure, you know, it's going to run, I guess. Talk a little bit about that. Like, uh, you know, are you yeah. playing like, is your hat on all over the place or? Like, oh yeah. You... So, so uh, my role with the company, I'm uh, director of the brand uh, for Redline. I have my counterpart, Jimmy Smith, who helps me with design and, and helps me with some of our factories overseas. But uh, our, you know, a day in the life of us is every night. We usually have a call with our factories uh, at eight o'clock at night. And those could go till, we've had some that go to three in the morning and and it's it's tough normally we'd be able to go overseas uh talk with them work on designs and whatnot and be able to get everything done within a two or three week period but with covid and restrictions we're we're subject to meetings like we're having currently and uh it is a little bit tough but yeah we start there and then obviously the the standard day starts after that at about seven o'clock in the morning so uh as far as the as far as my roles and with our team, and I know you know Weston and some of the guys on the team, but uh, I mean, it's marketing, uh, like you said, finance, there's there's that part of it where, you know, I probably spend three quarters of my day dealing with the finance and spreadsheet side of things. And then and then you get to go to the nighttime, we get the design and, and think of new products and trying to bring products to market is a whole nother, uh, it's a whole nother fiasco when you're when you're trying to be smart about stuff that's selling because currently right now in our marketplace obviously you walk into a bow shop uh it's tough to find the site you want or uh items you want it, it's the supply chain is hurting right now and we've we've struggled with that a little bit out the gate but we finally caught up and we're moving you know in the right direction with with how we're uh, working our process out but and then it brings in the whole kind of sales side of things. We're in 350 dealers nationwide. We have a great sales force that's out there pushing the dealer business, but it is a, uh, you're living it, you know, and, and this is something I grew up doing hunting and, and I've been working in the hunting industry for over uh, almost 15 years now, but it's, it's, it's a labor of love. It's not just flip the switch and you're, you're in there and it's, it's a fun time. And I'm sure you guys know from on your side, it's, you're doing it 24 seven. This isn't something yeah. you just, 
you get to turn on at 8 a.m. in the morning and shut off at five. But yeah. um, no, I hear the, you. the the benefits of it are, are definitely incredible. The team we have at Redline, there isn't a person I love every person we have on our team, and it's and they're true hunters and true sportsmen and passionate about what we do and and our industry. It is we don't we don't go out and just hire somebody that you know might have a great resume that that doesn't fit our mold our mold of our guys on our team that's why we are successful is because everybody's working towards a common goal and uh you know you can go out and do it i'm we're proof of it uh for those people listening it's definitely doable but it's been a exciting 18 months and stay tuned because we got some stuff coming this year that's gonna really really blow some doors off it's gonna be awesome so that's really cool. Now, yep. how's the response been so far? I know you said you sold out a lot of stuff, which is obviously a good response, but yep. how is there, have you guys had any issues or anything where people like, you know, things breaking any, any sort of production problems or not? Really? No, I mean, your, your normal wear and tear. Uh, the, the biggest thing with our, our company is, uh, you know, we, we strive to be the best in customer service. It always comes down to, you got to be able to get a hold of somebody on a phone. If you have a problem, if something does break, you're always going to have a fiber optic that snaps or a pin that bends that we have to replace. I think our team, we had a meeting this uh, today that we're averaging about two to three minutes within somebody contacting us. We reach out to them and we're talking with them immediately. If a lot of guys, uh, Brian back in uh, Ohio that, that runs our uh, consumer facing customer service, He's incredible. Like he'll be sitting there and if he's on the phone, that's why you're not getting a hold of him. Usually he's immediate. You're talking with him. Next day we're mailing stuff out. If you have a site issue, we're taking care of it. Uh, we have our, our warranty is uh, man, uh, manufacturer defects for one year. But uh, as far as us, we had a guy at uh, the PA, uh, PA tech event. He had an unfortunate accident where he was in the parking lot and his bow fell off of his truck. Uh, his site uh, site hood bent and we had a site up there the next day where he put it on his bow and he was back out shooting with his buddies so no questions asked we knew it was his fault but we knew we had a customer for life because the stuff we got out of him on social media and just saying how great it was that we took care of him was was worth it 100 so with us we haven't had any any true issues on that side of things and and honestly we take care of it we're not going to turn away and, and say, you know, no, thanks. We don't want your business anymore. It's, it's about building a brand and building the future and having people stay with us for life is, is kind of our mentality and our mindset behind the brand of Redline. How about just out of curiosity, like the company got started, you guys were hunters, you're hunting. And then all of a sudden one day you thought, you know, man, you know what we can do better or, yeah. you know, at a better price like how did that how's that happen yeah so so I, i've worked in uh the hunting industry on the buying side of things for for eight years and then i was on the selling side for a hunting and fishing brand uh apparel brand for uh two years there and you get into that cycle where you start pitching ideas with friends and with with people that you know can help you invest and want you to grow and and it, it did come from a necessity of there was a gap in the marketplace. Uh, you know, we have a lot of private equity in this industry uh, currently, and, and a lot of companies that were once, you know, the gold standard have fallen off because somebody comes in from that's not even interested in the hunting industry and they grab a brand and it kind of just dilutes it and 
doesn't treat it the right way. So we decided, you know, we wanted to be best in class customer service. We wanted to attack that middle price point and then offer a quality product that, you know, for the price lives up to that, you know, that middle to best. And I think we've, we hit it right on the head. Obviously we, we know, and I'm very critical about us and our, our team and our team's very critical about ourselves. We have room to grow. We understand that we know it, but it's, it's, it's a lot about just taking care of the consumer. And, and for me and, and some of our partners that we partnered with, that's what we saw in the marketplace. It kind of got just diluted and it was, you, you call a company, you can't get a hold of them or their products out of stock or this, you know, multitude of, of issues where you can't get a pin and you're on a hunt. And we kind of wanted to solve that and really be the new gold standard of, of that kind of mid price point sites, archery accessories, quivers, uh, stabilizers. And uh, I think we're, we got a lot of room to grow, but we're really doing a heck of a job uh, right now as a team. I mean, I just got off a phone call. We had our best month as a company in August. Obviously it's the 31st. So we got our numbers in and it's just insane uh, how, how just, we're pushing product out and stuff for I a company. Just wait till next start. year when you double. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we're all, believe me, I got to start. Uh, I don't start elk hunt until the 15th of uh, September and I'm going to be working on the spreadsheets there pretty much every day for my next year's forecast because with timeframes overseas and, and we are going to be bringing in some us made product, which is going to be, you know, it's for me personally, that's what I want to get the company to is, is starting to bring into some us uh, made product, probably 25% of our, our total book of business will be there uh, in the next 18 months. But with lead times overseas, you're talking 120 to 160 days just to get product here. So you got to be you got to be working a little bit ahead of we're basically working a season out in front of everybody right now, which is which is a it's a task in itself just to manage in season and then be thinking about next year's uh, sales for ATA and whatnot. So yeah, I actually um, I was thinking about this uh, a little bit from the um, Total Archery Challenge when I was talking to the guys there. I actually love the fact that you actually say overseas like i actually love that like i think like it's it's it takes a lot of guts to go straight at it and say look this is where we produce it don't care this is what we're doing yep. i think it's really important i think it shows a lot of character and I, I i love the idea that you guys are looking at different options too to bring some here if you can but the the end goal is to provide a product that works that you know is affordable and so it makes sense. So I guess I hats off to you for that. Cause I think it's really important just to be straight up a lot of, you know, a lot of companies will make broadheads and they don't say where they're made and you know, yeah. you know, they're overseas. It's just like, why don't you just say that instead of yeah. make a big deal out of it? No one cares. It, just need, you know, people want to know they want to know. Right. Yeah. And for sure. And that, and that's like you said, I mean, believe me, I'm, I, I believe the American flag and I, I want to, I'd love to have everything over here, but it, with production times and just even getting raw materials here and, and getting space in some of the uh, some of the tooling shops, it's just not doable right now. Yeah. Uh, so, it you know for us, we are working on it, and uh, our factories over there, a lot of them, uh, my counterparts and and our investors have been working with them for years. You know, twenty plus years at some of these factories. So different countries around around the world we're dealing with different manufacturers whatnot so i i love where we're at and and we continue to kind of evolve and grow as a company and it's going to be a uh, it's exciting man i 
but believe me, I was sitting, uh, sitting, selling apparel, which I used to call rags, toting them around the uh, country 18 months ago. And to, to start where we started, like I said earlier, with a box of parts and ideas on a whiteboard to where we're at today with a full line of uh, archery accessory products, it's nothing short of amazing. And it goes out to our, our team at Redline, who really is just everybody pushes each other. And it's all about being in the industry, pushing the industry and, and just continuing to evolve and innovate and, and come up with fresh ideas. And I think you guys will be uh, very excited. We got some stuff that'll be launching here, October timeframe that is uh, gonna be pretty, pretty intense, pretty, pretty cool stuff, so. That's awesome. I, yeah. I was actually really happy to see you guys have this um, three, three arrow quiver, the carbon one um first off it's it says 6.5 ounces which is actually yeah. very incredible yeah it's very light um but you know i always i always feel like i don't know about you but i'm a three arrow kind of guy like i don't need more than three arrows like i hunt we hunt in michigan you know we're going up in a tree stand we're yep. taking 20 yard pop shots 30 yard pop shots we definitely 100 do not need more than three arrows we only we max you can kill well i guess if you're a farmer you can kill a couple deer if you want it but we don't do that so we kill yeah. one deer if we go we're not killing like three at i once. think the only time i ever used two arrows was i missed a turkey mm. actually i <laughs> it fluttered i get it went through his feather you know yeah, how turkeys are. Up and you thought you got and, scammed and and uh the son of a gun came back i'm like wow i got another shot yeah i got yeah. him with the next one Eric, you. what's your thoughts on the industry as far as pricing goes? And I only bring this up because your stuff doesn't really apply to what I'm about to say, but I'm just curious overall on your mindset on, on this, since you obviously been in the industry a long time. Yeah. Crossbows, you know, we're hitting 30. Well, with this scope <laughs> on it, we're hitting about five grand with a Garmin <laughs> scope, you know, with, yep. you know, you got uh, scopes that are around a thousand dollars with range finding you have, you know, um, compound bows are hitting 1300 bucks right now um i i mean i believe in craftsmanship i have no issue with it i'm just curious what you think especially selling accessories mainly for obviously compound but you know what's your thoughts on that i guess do you see it keep going up or do you think it'll ever level off or yeah i mean for you know as far as my experience with with price you know pricing going up i mean when i started i was a buyer for a big box chain uh for eight years and started in archery and like you just mentioned the crossbow thing. Uh, when I started a, a 799 crossbow was, I rolled my eyes and was like, who the heck's ever gonna buy this thing? Uh, now that's basically the bottom of the barrel uh, yeah. functional crossbow you can get out in the field and kill a deer <laughs> with. I mean, we, they make 299 and 399, 499, but you, you gotta watch that they don't, they don't explode on you uh, depending yeah. on the company you're buying them from. But how it's transitioned in the technology uh, like you mentioned with the, the sites and, you know, company like Garmin, like they're pushing and innovating and it's, it's definitely interesting. Um, and like, like you mentioned on bows, you know, when I was, I bought a Z7 Matthews, I think that was my first hot, super high end bow. And I think I paid seven ninety nine for it. And I felt like I was buying a Rolls Royce and uh, <laughs> we have one here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, I classic. bought the black. I remember they did the black version and I was like, nobody yeah. want, you know, and that was the first year a black bow came out because they used to all be camo and every, and everybody was like, what are, what are people thinking? But I, I think there is a, you know, with raw materials and stuff and, and just knowing what we're dealing with and with some of our US guys that we're working with now and building some product for the future. And then even overseas, 
uh, on the raw material side of things, it is it is definitely impacting the, the costing. I will I will say that to the consumers out there that are listening and and people who are interested, it's 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 no joke. Uh, they are going up. It's the the cost of people producing them. Uh, the labor costs are all going up, and that and that's basically what's pushing it. Now there's obviously there's some items out there that that are taking or you know brands that are taking advantage of it and and charging way more than what they should be but uh for the most part on on the higher end goods you know you get into some of these carbon bows they cost a lot of money to produce and and i've seen it firsthand uh, with with a brand out there that's building a bow right now that's a very high you know high price point but i know that there's three women in the world that build that bow and they're hand laying carbon on it and it takes them three hours to build three of them and it's a put carbon on bake it and it's a process that i was blown away i thought a machine was doing it and it's their hand built so uh it's definitely you know some stuff you roll your eyes at for sure but other things you you sit there and you're like hey this is craftsmanship we have some of our competitors at the higher price points um on the site side of things i mean they build some really awesome product i mean i i strive to be them i'm used to shoot their stuff i love you know i love those brands and i love what they're doing us made they're building some great product and i understand their you know why they have to take those increases because of like i mentioned labor and then the raw material side of things it's just that it's it's all changing you know as as our economy changes and uh it's definitely something to be cognizant about i think us as a brand in in building the product that we're building we we think about that first it's all about the consumer and and kind of building a product that is that they feel that they're getting a great value for the price that's that's number one when we spitball something put on the whiteboard in our office in uh pittsburgh it is that's the first thing we think about is is the consumer willing to pay what we think uh, for this concept and then we'll take it and we'll start building it and take it to market but uh, it's it's definitely uh, you know it's not getting cheap. I mean, trucks that were forty grand a year ago yeah. are now fifty eight. <laughs> so it's it's happening across everywhere. Obviously, you guys, yeah. you know, I'm I'm preaching to the choir here. So I think I was actually it was funny. I I purchased. Uh, well, what happened was there was a I was for this classic series we've been doing with all these old bows. Yeah. I had been actively seeking trying to find a dart and viper because it was the first bow i ever killed a deer with and i was like i finally found a, a girl on facebook who was selling it for her, from her ex-boyfriend i don't know what it was i don't even know but either way she was in washington and um she's like uh i'll sell it to you for like 60 bucks i'm like done you know <laughs> i go check out the shipping it was like 85 dollars <laughs> more than the bow more than the bow so yep. i ended up luckily a3 bowstrings was hooking us up uh by they were they were using uh they were restringing the bows for us so i said and it was, it was like 30 minutes from her i'm like you drop it off the a3 <laughs> and then a3 <laughs> shipped it through their company you know i was like oh thank god i was yeah. like otherwise i don't know if that would have went down i was like dang man it's yep. like crazy and i, yeah, I and just- one time I sold a, I had an old bass guitar and I sold it on Makara, which is like eBay. And I sold it to the lady for 200 bucks. 
And no joke, it was like $140 to ship it or something stupid. Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh. And it, she gave me like 30 bucks for shipping or something. And I'm like, you know what? Just take it. I don't want to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. We're in, you know, the shipping side of things. So a quick example of cost increases for anybody who's, you know, buying something from overseas. Uh, Pre-COVID that we were averaging about 4,500 to six grand a container to bring them across on the water. Uh my two, yeah, my last container was about twenty thousand dollars. Wow! So you have to bid so on that or something? It's like a bid. oh yeah, yeah, you yeah. bid. I don't so, even want to talk talk about air freight because we did some, yeah. and uh, you basically we we don't make any money on the product, but it's about getting it to market and getting it here. So that the whole shipping side and the transportation uh, side of things is a another aspect and effect of why you're seeing some of these cost increases as a consumer they are starting to come down is what i'm hearing you know yeah they're starting to level out i don't think they'll ever get back to the 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 four thousand to six thousand dollar range but yeah hopefully things start to normalize here uh, as we kind of continue into the next 18 months uh it's kind of it's scary though because everything adds up right so that's what people don't realize so like you know, it, it could be anything, right? It could be eggs, going to get eggs in the store. Like the shipping to get the eggs there was more. The labor they had to pay those people was more. So everything goes up The gas slightly. is more. The gas yeah. is more. So everything slightly edges just a little yep. bit, but it's enough. And not a little bit really in the gas. It went up a lot. But I'm just saying like it's enough to, to, to raise a price. So a good example too for us is we'll do a lot of giveaways on like TikTok and different things. And I started telling consumers like, listen, I'll do the giveaway, but I'm not paying for the shipping. So you can pay, you can pay me to ship it, but I'm not, unless a company, like if you said, Hey, you know, give your people a site and you ship direct, that's different. But if I'm shipping, I'm like, no guys, I would be out of business so fast. It's like literally 25 bucks to ship a freaking hat and a a pack of broadheads, you know, like (laughs) I just shipped a a fiber optic to a gentleman who uh, he dropped his bow and cracked it and fiber optic and a small little small little pouch was i think 12 dollars to ship and it was going maybe 300 miles wow and wow. you know you know what a fiber optic weighs i mean it yeah. might have been the koozie <laughs> and the sticker we threw in there but you know oh it's gosh. yeah so tell us about your setup what are you shooting right now and uh what you know what which of your products are on it yeah so i'm shooting uh uh pse xf so six, I got a bad bum shoulder. So I shoot 60 pounds. I'm about 29 and a half inch draw, uh, victory arrows, some VAPs uh, with 95 grain outserts on them. Uh, I am actually shooting a prototype quiver that we're going to be dropping here in October, which is, I can't wait to show people because they're going to lose it. It's going to be great. And then uh, I actually have our 10 inch stabilizer and then our brand new RL23 pin, which is our, our RL, uh, to a uh, single pin is our number one selling site. Uh, we came out with it hits at 119 price point. Soon as we launched it last October, the guys out West are, when are we getting a three pin? And I'm, you know, we're sitting there leading into ATA and we're, we had to redesign the whole front end housing of it. And we kind of fast tracked it. And finally we, uh, we just started shipping about a month and a half ago up uh, with those. And I had our, our original R01 carbon on there, which is our full carbon bracket uh, three pin. And I switched to this one just to cut weight for elk and it's lights out. Awesome, easy to set up, uh, comes with your tapes, rheostat light, 
uh, and then your bottom pin, it, uh, you got 19, 19, and then 10 on your bottom. So, so your rover, you got that smaller pin, so you're not getting that starburst at distance where you can really block onto your target and uh, cut it loose. So uh, that's kind of mine. I'm pretty simple on my setup. I don't run a back bar or anything. I kind of, I grew up just being, you know, I didn't really have, have all the crazy bells and whistles on my bows growing up and, and it was more just get out there and, and uh, take what you need to go get the job done. Uh, but as, a, as we're tweaking stuff and I'm working with our team, I'm starting to pick up some habits of run. I got on my my uh, old PSC that, that I'm running, I, I toss a back bar on. I'm like, now I'm kind of liking this, but I'm trying to cut weight for that hiking back end for elk. So it's, uh, I think for whitetail, I'll be running that, but we'll see, uh, see how that all goes. But it's funny. It's funny when you think about when you're a kid and like in archery, I, I remember going to Starlight. It was like the local, you know, pro shop here. And we had a couple other shops here that were more like, you know, Gander Mountains, things like that as well. But I remember like the site brands then are some of them are still around now, but like, I don't even hear, I mean, I've been in this industry since 09 and I literally barely ever hear their name. I'm not going to name them, but I'm just saying like, yep. it's strange to me to think that company like that, that I thought was, you know, amazing when I was a kid is like completely, <laughs> they're still yep. around, I think, but they're yep. like, no one even, they don't even know if they have a social media account for God's sakes. But yeah. I just think it's funny, like how how quickly things change. And at the same time, like something cool, like these designs come in, they just look, the housing looks so nice on these. They just look really good. I love the thick ring that you have yep. that you can see good. I love how you guys did the optics. Explain to us the, now I've never, I've only seen it at the show. I never actually used this yet. So explain to me how the pin, how this works with the one pin. So I see it's an adjustable slider type thing. Yep. Is there, where am I marking it to this red, this red? Oh, I think I see it now. Yep. This red yep. piece here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that red piece doesn't move, but the, the tape's going to move behind it, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. So you're going to be, sense. that's your indicator pin, you know, and all that, that'll work behind it. And uh, shoot, I was on with guys today and, and talking them through kind of the setup of things. Cause it is obviously you guys, you know, I'm sure you've gone through it, but setting a bow up or walking into a bow shop for the first time, archery buyer is a very intimidating uh, experience. Uh, nice thing. That's is, a conversation is, we have every once in a while. Yeah. And, and it's, yeah, it's, it's a little bit freaky. And I've seen guys where I'm kind of observing in the shops and they walk in and, and luckily our, home, you know, a lot of the sh all, basically all the shops we deal with, the guys are incredible. They ask questions if they're having issues setting a site up or what, what tweaks we use to get our set up. And, you know, in general, ours are very similar to other sites on the market and what, have, what's been done in the past, but there are little between each brand, there's little tweaks and tricks to, to kind of get your stuff set up but it is a that's one thing we're trying to solve as a brand is is really not to confuse the customer and and to make the experience for them at the shop and even the shop owners a, an enjoyable one because last thing a shop guy wants is to have an issue trying to set a site up or trying to get something uh rolling for a guy who wants to run out and go hunt right away we know right now and these guys are they're swamped right now i was in like i said i was on my way out hit a couple and was in a few last week uh, in the Pittsburgh area. And it, it stinks to say, but they're struggling with help and they're turning business away. That's how busy they are because they just can't keep up with the bows um, yeah. in some of these shops that I, that I visited with. And uh, it's just, 
the way we try to make it easier for them, that's kind of our whole goal. Easier for the shop guys to set up and then easier for the customer to make that decision at retail and say, this is the site I want to put on my bow. Uh, it's really been working for us and it's really grabbing that guy behind the counter and, uh, you know, getting him into our brand and showing him how easy it is. That's been kind of the groundwork and the guerrilla marketing we've been doing uh, yeah, for us awesome. to be successful. So what, what made you decide to go strictly with uh, the pro shops? Uh, so I, I, I got to like believe I said, they're appreciating that. Yeah. Yeah. They, they do. I used to be a big box buyer and, and uh, it, for me, it, it was always a struggle. I knew our, our shops in general uh, where I used to work weren't the best. I wouldn't take my bow there to get set up. I would go to my local shop and it came down to, you know, our team sitting down and talking about it. And there's, you can, you can run out there and, and chase, chase down the rabbit hole and pig out, or you can take care of the base and these guys that they build brands and, and that's what we believe in. And, and they're truly, if you're going to get a bow set up, you got to go take it to a, a, a true archery shop with a technician behind the counter. I've, I've seen it a million times where even at some tack events where guys are saying, oh, it's the site or it's this and that. And then just by normal eyesight, you can see that their cams leaning or something is, is off on the bow that the normal, uh, you know, average guy does not understand, you know, how, how the twist strings or what they got to do to get these bows to be tuned. Mm-hmm. And, and for us, that was the biggest decision was we want to take care of the shops. We want to offer them a great margin along with offering the customer a great margin. And by doing that uh, and, and partnering with them and helping drive their business will be successful. And, and it's really worked out and we're not changing. I mean, these guys have, have got behind us. They've rallied behind our brand and, you know, they've, they've done everything we've asked and, and we're just going to continue to work with them. And it's, it's been a great experience just hearing and talking to shop owners is, is kind of my favorite thing about the, besides sitting and tack and seeing our stuff on bows going into a shop and, and talking to a guy who's behind the counter and says, you guys make it easier. I had an issue and I called your customer service and they answered the phone. If that's what really gets me, you know, that's what I, why I'm doing this and why we're working towards what we're doing is, is kind of that satisfies me as a, as a person and as a person running this brand uh, with our team. So I think in the long run too, you're getting it set up by a professional that's going to leave less room for, people yeah. having errors that aren't your fault and yep. and more cheaper <laughs> and more and more they're going to say oh yeah you know the word's going to go around yeah these sites are great or whatever it is because yep. they're set up right yeah. yep and believe me i'm i'm always the first person to blame a broadhead or an arrow or, or something <laughs> on the bow when i miss a shot and, uh we all know <laughs> that's not that's not the case but uh like i said you're these guys behind the counters, like they're experts in the space. And, and for anyone listening out there who's having issues right now, or maybe shooting, you know, keep they're chasing an arrow, get your bow into a shop and, and let somebody who's, who does that for a living, look at it. Uh, I mean, I, I look at it this way. I'm, I'm not a car, a car mechanic. I'm not going to go try to change uh, my muffler or, or do anything like that. Like I'm going to take it to a shop and get it done. So why would you do it? Why wouldn't you do it with a bow? It's not about just slapping something on and being able to shoot. Uh, but um, it's, it's kind of something we're very passionate about and we want to continue to support those, uh, those guys behind the counter and, and the guys at the shop level 
that's that's who's making us and that's who's really pushing our brand right now so we're gonna keep keep staying with them we love that let's talk about your biggest buck so far because i see this picture on instagram you holding this monster crab claw looking thing what yeah <laughs> oh What's yeah your, so is this your biggest yeah oh yeah 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 way biggest so i uh i i ended up with that deer there so i uh bought my first farm it would have been back in july last year and uh, we hunted that deer or I didn't have that deer on camera at all. I bought an overgrown cattle pasture basically with a duck swamp and stuff behind it. It's about 50 acres. And it was in an area of, of nor, uh, Northeastern Ohio that I've been hunting for 10 years. And it was kind of one of those things where I was driving by coming back from, uh, uh, what's it called? From uh, steelhead fishing on Easter Sunday. And the guy was putting the for sale sign up and I pulled over and asked, I was like, Hey, can I, can I walk this? It's kind of on the area I want to be. And he was like, Hey, I already got five people looking at it tomorrow. It's like, well, can I just walk it? And I, I walked for about 10 minutes, turned around, came back and I asked him what the, what the price was. And he told me, and I gave him full, full asking price for it just because of <laughs> the awesome. lay of the land. And with the whole COVID thing, I kind of got fed up and was, I got outbid on a couple other properties near there which I'm thankful for now, but, uh, uh, yeah, so we got on there and, and it took a Herculean effort to get the farm right. Cause there was about two miles of cattle fencing throughout the whole thing that we had to tear out and, and took time through October. And, uh, that deer actually showed up, uh, Halloween week. And, uh, I didn't sleep for a good, almost three months. Uh, every night he's there, he's, you know, I'd been, uh, I hunted them eight times total, uh, you know, with, I hunted them in archery, I hunted them with gun, and uh, I ended up actually harvesting them with a crossbow in late season. Uh, it was four degrees out with three foot of snow, and I was just like, I ain't pulling a bow back in this, too too cold, and <laughs> happens. I didn't even think he was going to show up, and guess what, there he is. <laughs> and uh, That's crazy. But uh, we got, yeah, ended up getting them on the right wind and whatnot. I had, uh two other opportunities to kill him. I basically only hunt him on a north wind, but uh, he, uh, he decided to go the other direction the two times I've saw him on the hoof. And then I saw him one more time in gun cutting across the field. And then uh, I think it was the 26th of January is uh, the final, the day that I uh, ended up harvesting him. And it was, it was insane. I mean, you want to talk about emotion. I don't care what weapon you kill something, an animal like that with, uh, it gets to that magic number. I, I was just like, um, it was, it made, it was a enough emotion where I'm kind of burned out a little bit. And I was like, man, I don't know if I could do that again, <laughs> but, uh, did you, did you get him aged? Uh, yeah. So, so we have enough pictures of him and stuff. I think he was six and a half. Uh, he was definitely down on the backside, uh, on the backside of things for, for what I saw from the year before, there was a guy about a mile and a half north that had a pile of pictures and sheds from him, and wow. he carried a little more mass the year before. But I just don't think he had the length. But uh, you know, he scored in that like 202 inch area right there. Wow! Geez. And uh, he's about 24 and a half inches wide. You can put two five gallon buckets between his rack, wow. <laughs> which is pre pretty crazy. But uh, no, it was it's definitely a cool, you know, fun experience. But you know, I'm more of a, you know, I grew up hunting using, you know, started out with, with a gun shooting squirrels and, and whatnot. And 
grew up rifle hunting and archery hunting with my dad and stuff and anything any way to harvest an animal and, and get in the woods and get people out for our sport um, i'm all for uh yeah I, I help run an archery accessory company but to my core i'm, I'm a hunter and i'm going to take advantage of, of whatever it takes my personal uh for me is uh you know after christmas is my i'm allowed to pick up the crossbow after christmas when it starts getting cold <laughs> this is my my goal i think I i've given you. it enough enough effort at that point where i'm like yeah and it's not about it's not about as you guys know it's not about killing something it's about the process to getting to that point and i had more fun and yeah. better you know experience just being in the presence of an animal like that and just the process of getting to the to the uh to the kill than than the harvesting of that animal it was it's not about that it's more the camaraderie and your buddies and asking yeah. questions what should i do i mean i shoot i probably talked to five six different people that knew about that deer that were in different states around the united states that were helping me on a daily basis like this wind don't do it wait here you know, it was it was pretty everyone and the funny thing is they were all conflicting opinions but it was it was uh it was a it was fun and uh i i hope every hunter at some point in their life gets a chance at you know an animal like that and i know it's not you know that's not the case but even you know even a decent you know decent buck like i said if i get a I get a good buck that I, when I get back and I, I draw back, I'm shooting. There's no, there's no, uh, there's no letting down. If I draw that bow, it's happening or, or whatever crossbow or yeah. gun, it's, it's, it's definitely going to happen. So. And this Ohio, a, you said? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Northeast Ohio up that way. I was hunting in, um, Southeast Ohio, a uh, area called Utica. Oh yeah. And we went down there to close, there was a close encounter white to outfitters, but we went there, Eric Ashcraft, and, uh, we traded him some bows and some money to go hunt on during the rut during, with bow. And it was a, a very good experience, but I noticed that, and we, you know, we hunt Michigan, so we're not used to giant bucks, like the buck like this, we would never see a buck like this here, but you know, in Ohio on the trail cameras, we'd see these giant bucks like every <laughs> night coming into these bait piles and all, it was crazy. So he pulled the card. We go look at it. He put a new card. He go look at it. There'd be a giant buck the night before. So we're all excited. We get there early in the morning, hunt the whole day, right into dark, uh, take a snack, you know, and then sure. he pulled the card from the night before and there'd be another giant buck. I, mean, I never seen anything like it. I'm like, oh my, I mean like 180 inch deer. Like I'm like, yep. what the heck? And so it was so exciting, but yet so a letdown because you would never it, I never actually saw one like that. You know, I see them on the camera and I see where they were standing, but they were never in, physically there when I was there. And I hunted, we hunted a full week. Yeah. And I think I've never done this before. I mean, I don't usually ever hunt this hard, but I figured we're in Ohio. It's the rut. There's giant bucks out here. I got to stay out as long as I can. So we stayed, you know, through snow, through ice, rain. I mean, it was crazy, but never did we ever get a shot? <laughs> it yeah. was crazy. There's two of us. It they're, was insane. They're they're smart, and and like I said, this this deer was uh, he definitely was the most challenging deer I've ever hunted. I've, I've had the opportunity to hunt some some bucks that are you know in that one seventy class range, and and this was a deer that just uh, like you said, he was always kind of one step ahead. One step ahead. I got to see him twice in the daylight. Third time I killed him, but uh, 
I only have one day one daylight picture of them. I mean, it's it's insane how That's a deer crazy. like that isn't everywhere. Now, funny thing is, when you shoot a deer like that, people come out of the woodwork with pictures of them, and I had yeah. them on camera. And uh, like I said, that deer had been living about a mile and a half north of me, and uh, he definitely got bumped. I talked to the landowner who got, had him on camera all summer, and they bumped him down, and he liked that I wasn't uh, screwing around with them and leaving them alone. So it was uh, it was definitely a, uh, I guess, a fun experience and everything, and I wouldn't trade it for the world, but I got cameras rolling right now. I can't wait to get back and, and pull them uh, when I get back from elk, elk season out here out west. It's going to be a fun uh, fun time so that's awesome now did you say in. uh you guys are located in did you say pittsburgh yeah yep okay. so so we're based out of pittsburgh pennsylvania we have some investors in ohio as well but uh our our corporate office or what we call our corporate office it's it's a uh, couple of us in there that are working daily but uh we're right there in that pittsburgh area i'm born and raised pittsburgh guy and uh pa hunter so you guys are familiar with the orange army up your way too so i mean you guys I know up up that way it's uh rifle season's king. Oh yeah. But, uh, <laughs> it's even worse now. They added uh they added uh the uh, Bushmaster yeah what is it the four fifty and three fifty whatever. Yeah. So now yep. it's even it's there's even more because all the bow hunters are now grabbing these things because you can use them in shotgun zone. So or I yep. not even just bow hunters, but gun hunters are buying them now for the shotgun zone, which was the lower half of the state. And yep. so the only problem here though, that we've ran into is that they ban baiting. And to be honest, it's, it's been very difficult without the bait. Um, yeah. to, I mean, we're Michigan's broken up into millions of 20 acre parcels, 10 acre parcels. Yeah. So it's really hard to like, we have a 300, we're hunting 300 acres and it's still hard to get a deer to come into an area to get a shot with a bow. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we could send every trail we want in the world, but without putting out to put mineral down or something just to draw them towards that region to check it, right? Yep. Um, that's been hard for us. So we're hoping that uh, things change here and they change that rule again. Probably never will, but you know, it's it, it would be helpful, especially for the kids. Honestly, the kids don't see yep. nothing. They go out with us. They see a deer at 150 yards out. <laughs> it's like so depressing. It's like I rather I rather take my kid to a ranch, like a high fence ranch, so at least he could see a freaking yep. deer you know it's just so yeah, difficult you know when i was a kid yeah. i i always hunted over bait growing up and i always saw a deer and i didn't shoot every deer i saw i mean i didn't shoot everything i'm just saying like i saw a deer and it was exciting you know but yeah. not anymore so we we deal with that in uh in uh pennsylvania where i grew up but you know i remember my dad we'd take us out monday what is it, first monday after thanksgiving here's it's a 12 year old here's your rifle and here's a stump and i'll be back at the end of the day and i sat in the state forest and stared at trees for for eight hours straight and never saw anything and that was part of the reason i bought that property uh, where i killed that deer was i got some uh some nephews and nieces that I, you know it's not even about the killing it's like you said let them get out there and see the deer Just at least, least or see, see turkeys yeah. hear turkeys uh that's that's a whole nother thing that i get furious about with uh with with stuff is got you know guys are out there and we got to get kids involved in this sport and get them out there and, and introduce them to it and yes sir it's not about us it's about it's about the future yeah we get the if if a big deer shows up it's time for dad to go out in the woods and, and maybe get in there and hunt <laughs> a little bit you know take some afternoons off work but uh yeah it's it's about the future we have and 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 what we can do for the 
the people who are getting into the sport and then the youth getting into the sport uh, is definitely yeah. something that especially we're you know, passionate about. So. I don't know about you guys, but like, I mean, personally, I've never been a, like a big buck chaser, I would say. So I know there's, you know, there's tons of great hunters out there, great bow hunters who will go out, find a deer, pattern it, get the shot. That's not really what I like to do necessarily. But like, the thing is for me is if you said like, Hey, Hey Dave, we're going on this hunt to Wyoming and it's, you know, you got to pay for it. It's 1500 bucks, whatever, two grand, three grand. And we're going to go as a group and have some fun. That's different. So then I'm like, yeah, let's yeah. go. You know? Cause like, I feel like there's more to it than just chasing the, the, the horns. Right. I, I'm literally going to make connections, have fun, you know, have a good time, you know, have some good food and have some laughs. And, and then on top of it, I'm learning something from people who might actually be good at that specific thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, look at our bear hunt in Canada. That oh, was that was the best. best. That was the best hunt ever. We had 16 guys. Yeah. <laughs> 16 guys, hundred percent kill rate in Canada. Oh, <laughs> was that this year? No, no, 2015. That was 15. I think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and, and we saw so many bears, they were coming into town. They were everywhere. It was crazy. <laughs> yeah. It was insane. They're in the garbages. And the funny part is, uh, the funny part is, uh, Jamie, the last guy to shoot a bear that day, he was on the very end of the last five minutes of light, the last hunt where all have already tagged, everybody's tagged out by him. He's 30 miles in the thicket. This is, I mean, everything's like way out, like way out. So we drop him off. We turn around and go back, eat something, turn around, go right back to get him. Cause it takes so long to go back and forth. And uh, anyway, he ended up killing his bear the last five minutes and it was eating a Mr. Big bar. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's, he was that's sucking sweet. down a Mr. Big Bar. It's what brought him in. That's the funny part. He bought that yeah. bar and he took it all out, put it, placed it gently on this log, and that thing yeah. beeline for the Mr. Big, which is hilarious. Right on it. it. Yeah, but you you said it right there. I mean, our our biggest thing, and that's where I'm at right now. Our camp out here in Kansas. It's it's more about the camaraderie and bringing guys together than it is about. Yeah, we've we've lucked lucked in, and I say luck. This. Deer hunting is you can be as strategic as you want and and yeah play it right correctly and but a lot of times you just got to get lucky what does it start tomorrow uh no they're the 12th out here i'm just just i'm I'm pushing through west so i'm kind of i needed a spot to stay for the night and uh luckily gage (laughs) and the guys are listening to this right now on the couch they're laughing at me but i needed somewhere to (laughs) hang out for a couple hours i got a question about what time of the year did you see that farm and you made the guy the offer? What time of the year was that? That was April. So I saw that was April time frame. Okay. So what what was it that you saw in five minutes that made you say, oh, I'm buying this place? Yeah. So I'd been, I, I know what that area of, I've been hunting up that way for eight years or so with, with friends of mine and industry industry friends that have taken me on hunts in that area. So I know what that little... I'd, I'd call it a five to five mile block that is capable of producing and in okay. whitetail. But honestly, I got on it. And as soon as I got on, it was overgrown and unkept. And you could tell that nobody had been on that place for shoot. I bet you 15 years they hadn't had cows on there. So I'm talking the trees were growing through the fencing, just unkept. Uh, and when I started walking it, you know, when I got back past the cattle pastures and whatnot, it looked like there were, you know, it looked like there were still cows on there, but it was, it was the deer trails, you know, those, wow. those trails that are coming through the woods where you're like, whoa, 
highways on cows yeah and it was the way it laid and what it backed up to uh you know it backs up to a 300 acre woodlot that that my neighbor uh miss judy owns and she's cool as heck doesn't allow hunters but i get to go on there a little bit and she gives me a little leeway if, if i need to if i hit something nice. and then uh behind me to the north was all ag and it, and i kind of had that little that little mid middle spot that was kind of that perfect corridor with the with the swamp I, I do waterfowl hunt you know i'm trying to become a better waterfowl hunter but but uh i do do that so i wanted something that i could build a waterfowl area you know in the future here and, and build some marsh area and also I had, it has an acre and a half pond which is luckily we got bass in there too when i threw a rod in it was like every third cast we're pulling a you know, two and a half three pound bass out of it so <laughs> how that, far is this from your house uh, it's about two hours, but luckily our, our chairman, chairman of our company, and uh, I, uh, I got about two or three friends. They, they live within about 30 minutes of it. So I get to uh, stay on couches and in guest bedrooms a lot when I'm hunting, which is nice. pretty nice. I get to come back to home, cook meals, and, and uh, I'm not roughing it by any means, which is, which is cool. But uh, I would, you know, it's, it was just one of the, I don't, I don't even know how to explain it. It was more of a feeling when I got on there and started walking and did the quick loop i was like ah, i put a stand here i can food plot here i can and move this it's going to take work but uh it was more so knowing knowing the area you want to be in and then kind of finding that piece of land i mean it's only a 50 acre chunk it's not like we went out and bought a 500 yeah. acre uh piece of land and we put 20 food plots in it uh so like you said it's that land of a bunch of small pieces where deer traveling through so yep. the neighbor could have shot shot the buck anytime it was more of a uh for me I, I think it was i left him alone and he got comfortable there and he was actually living in the in my marsh there's a high spot and i was getting him on camera every night there and i never never pushed him until i would get a north wind and i only got it eight times during that during that season which is wow. which is crazy. It took a lot of restraint i can tell you that but one of my good <laughs> very very close friends uh tommy t told me he was like buddy he was like if you don't push that deer he will screw up at some point and yeah. uh boy did he screw up goes <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right eric thanks a lot for coming on man where yeah. can people go to learn about redline yeah so they can go to redlinebowhunting.com but i i urge you guys we're in 350 dealers nationwide uh go onto our website we have the dealer locator up uh uploaded you can go on by state and get out there and see those guys uh, the guys behind the counters the archery techs that's who you want to go talk to get your bow set up get ready for season and there's no better time than the present because it's upon us boys so yeah get out there and get hunting. Is. i hear you so all right guys all right. thank you so much for thank watching you very we'll much. See you next time on the podcast thanks again eric Good and luck. we'll see you good, good luck, luck man. Hunting. the bow hunter planet podcast would like to thank our outdoor partners for their support it's because of these companies we can keep this show educating, entertaining, and growing the archery heritage.